Science fiction and faith, the two parallels that don't come together very often, but when they do, it can be a pretty cool thing. And today we're going to be talking with uh, Brock Heasley of a new sci-fi Christian film called The Shift and what he thinks about the whole merging of the two genres together. Glicks, what is going on? We are receiving a signal from a new area on the planet Geekery. All right, let's see what the planet has for us today. Opening forms in three... Two, one. Hello, Devoted Geeks, and welcome to Contact, podcast extension of Geek Devotion, the show from Devoted Geeks, who are devoted to letting you know you're loved. I'm Dallas. I'm so glad you guys have hit the play button on this podcast. We're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're at. Hey, thank you for being part of our show. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking with somebody I'm pretty excited about. This is a, a, a writer, a director, a comic book writer, and artist himself, Brock Heasley of The Shift. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing very well, Dallas. How about yourself? I am doing well. I'm excited to have you on the show today. We're uh, we're diving into a conversation about a film coming out, I believe, like December 1st or 2nd. December uh, 1st. Yep. December 1st. Awesome. It called The Shift and starring like some pretty big name people. We got uh, uh, Neil McDonough, who did Captain America, Minority Report, Minority Report Sean Astin from Lord of the Rings, and Christopher Pollock from Jurassic World Dominion. Some big names. But what is this? What is The Shift? So The Shift is about a man who has an encounter with a mysterious stranger with otherworldly powers called the Benefactor. Mm -hmm. And he ends up, uh, through this encounter, he ends up banished to a dark parallel world where he then fights to get back to the woman that he loves, back to his own reality. Wow. Wow. Now, there's not a ton of sci-fi films out there. There's been a few that were kind of like, you know, they're okay. There was a there was one called like the Time Changer thing came out like in early two thousands, and yeah. then you had some sci fi books that were out there. You had uh, C S Lewis. He had his space trilogy. But what inspired you to create faith based sci fi film? Yeah, well, I've always been a, a lover of sci fi and mm -hmm. and you know all things all things that this podcast is dedicated to all things geek. That's that's part of my DNA, right? Um, and I've always been a lover of movies, and so. You know, but also my faith is really important to me. And usually when we think of sci-fi, outside of the examples that you just cited, and I think you just excited it's just cited every single example of every <laughs> sci-fi anything that that crosses over into into <laughs> Christian theology. Um and that's sad. Um but I've always wondered like why why is it all these great stories that I love, all, all this sci-fi that I love, Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, uh, Inception, Interstellar, like like all the my favorite movie of all time is Gattaca. Oh yeah. Why yeah. why why do these things not acknowledge God that much? Why do they usually take place in a universe in which God does not exist, in which people mm -hmm. don't really have that that kind of a faith and not to say that they all are that way they're not all agnostic but but a lot of them are the majority of them are usually there there's an offense taken with yeah. sci-fi and religion collide i think about battlestar galactica mm. a show that i really really i'm talking about the 2004 version right um you know and that ended on on a really spiritual note mm. and and the fans half the fan base rioted mm. you know like they consider that one of the worst series finales of all time. And I totally, totally disagree. I love the way the faith angle was intertwined with the science and they finally came together and totally. into this cohesive thematic whole that I thought was so enriching. And so outside of examples like that, I'm really starved for something that appeals to me on an entertainment level, the sci-fi mm -hmm. that I love, but that also speaks to 
um, my faith and my spirituality. And right. so combining the two really just came from an idea, uh, the idea of, of, of well, I'm going to tell stories. I'm going to tell stories that are important to me. I'm going right. to tell the stories that I want to see that I'm not seeing. And that's really where the shift came from. That's awesome. And, uh, and you're right, man, there have been some, there've been glimmer of hopes we've seen throughout, uh, film and throughout cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, uh, it was, uh, the day there stood still the remake with Keanu Reeves. They kind of played a, a, a little bit of the illusion of Christ taking on a person's sins and stuff like that, but we never really seen it put forth in a, in a good way, in a way mm-hmm. that wasn't hokey, if you will. Yeah. Especially yeah, exactly. From the Christian community, unfortunately. Um, but it's some of it. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and talking about how there's always this difficulty of combining faith with fiction because we don't want to blur the lines too much. I saw an interview. Uh, you talk, you were reading like mean tweets about the your the short, <laughs> and yeah. uh, one of it was people were talking about the uh, they're going on about some of the quote unquote theological implications of things that were clearly meant to be like it's just for story purposes. It's not the faith. How did you balance that out of faith and fiction coming together within the story? Well, one of the things that's really powerful about science fiction is the way that it allows you to use things like metaphor and analogy and allegory in order to get ideas across. When you think about Star Trek, for example, like Star mm-hmm. Trek's one of the big ones, right? There's there's a million Star Trek episodes and it's been oh, around yeah. for years. And I mean, anybody who loves sci-fi, if you don't love Star Trek, I don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> Star Trek, one of the things that it does really well is that it tackles um, social issues, issues of the day in a way that it brings everybody to the table. So if Star Trek is going to do an episode about racism, it's not going to hit, it's not going to tackle that head on. It's going right. to use green skinned aliens, you know, versus purple aliens. That that is not an actual Star Trek episode. I'm not an idiot. I'm just <laughs> using a false example. Exactly. But um, you know, so that's how Star Trek will approach things, and and then conservatives and liberals and, and and everybody gets to come to the table and enjoy that story because it puts them at enough of a distance from like the whatever the current reality is, mm-hmm. and allows people to just focus on like okay, what are the actual like issues? What are the principles that are involved here? Yeah. And and then we can enjoy this story together, and we can all learn together. And I think that's the power of sci-fi. Right. And so using t- taking that and saying okay, well we can do the same thing with faith. We can talk about. Uh, true principles and, and, and truths, but we can come at it through this fiction and we can come at these things in a, from a different angle that can enrich in a different way our understanding of these truths and these principles. And for some people, that's a huge leap to make. They're like, nope, things have got to be exactly as it is in the Bible. It can't be any different from mm-hmm. that. Um, and I'm not trying to change the Bible. Uh, right. The this, this shift is inspired by the book of Job. If, mm-hmm. if it's inspired by anything in the Bible, it's inspired by that. The right. book of Job is not altered. Go check your Bible. It's there. It's fine. <laughs> what I'm doing is, is I'm taking that story. I'm inspired by it. And I'm exploring its themes in a way that people are connecting with. I mean, hopefully, though, the, the movie right. comes out in a few weeks that they will connect with the idea and the stories of Job, uh, the story of Job in a different way. The idea of, of suffering and where is God in suffering. Right. These are the things that I'm that I'm that I'm trying to, to wrestle with within right. this genre. And I think that's fair to do. I think it's very fair yeah. to do. Absolutely. Well, you bring up the fact this based off of the story of Job. Let me ask you, what, uh, why did you choose the story of Job as the backdrop of the story? To it really, because really, when you watch the film, it is the the underbelly. It is the basis of the entirety of the film. What led to that decision? So the biggest factor, I think, probably was more. Um, from my subconscious than necessarily from my conscious. But at the time that I wrote the script, I had been out of work for four years. Oh, wow. And, and, and my family, um, had basically been living on food stamps. 
And, um, and I had no real hope in sight of getting a regular job. It just was one of those things that like, no matter how many times I applied, I couldn't get it. And I was feeling very led towards this filmmaking path, which is totally at odds with earning a wage, um, (laughs) and, and, and supporting my three daughters and my wife. And, um, and so I was passing through a job period. I, I really was. I was passing through a period of my life in which I didn't understand why things weren't working out. I didn't understand why they were getting worse. Yeah. I didn't understand what the point of that was. And, uh, and so I wrote it into the story that this is our protagonist, Kevin, um, I, several years passed for him within yeah. this story. Um, he's really enduring a trial of some length and in a trial in which he cannot see God, he cannot see him. He cannot see what his purpose is. He cannot see him in his life. And that's very much the place that I was in as I was writing it. And so I think Job, when I hit upon that idea of, oh, we, I can be inspired by the book of Job. I mean, two things occurred to me. Number one, nobody's ever done that, um, that I can recall because who thinks of Job and you're like, oh yeah, action movie. Right. <laughs> that's, totally. That's, that's what that is. Um, so that's, that was attractive to me. And then the second thing was just, yeah, I can identify with this. Like this yeah. makes sense to me. I get that. And that's the thing about personal stories. When we tell stories, some of the best words I've seen, they come from a personal place. There's a place of mm-hmm. where like, we're, we're bringing it out and we're presenting it. And that's a hard shift to do to make that happen. You don't want to don't put too much out on the plate for everybody. But at the same time, it's when there's a, when the creators touches on something, it's, it says something more for people. Um, right. So let me ask you this. This started off as, I, I, it's funny. When I first was contacted about you guys doing this, and I actually saw uh, a screener of this film, I was I, I was having kind of deja vu. Like, I was like, was I shifted? I feel like I've seen this. And I realized a couple of years ago, I actually saw the short. The short. Oh, did you really? Oh, cool. Yeah. It, a buddy of mine, he said, hey, I think you might, might dig this. And so I actually saw the short, the shift years ago. So I was watching the screener. I was like, What's happening here? Like I've seen this. It's so it was clicking for me. I was prepping for the yeah. show. What was it like making the uh the, the quote unquote the shift from the short to the full film? Because I know you made some changes. Like for example, in the short, yeah. the film uh the film flat out calls himself Satan, Lucifer, whereas right. in this it's the benefactor. Why did you make some of those changes and how what was it like making that shift from a short to a full-length film? Well, it, in some ways it was, it was really nice because I already had, you know, a portion of the story told right. and I, and I, and it was really just about building something before and something after that. Um, cause one of the things that people go really wrong with, in my opinion, when they translate a short film to a feature film is mm-hmm. that they basically just tell that same story. They just stretch it over two hours. Oh, yeah, and yeah. what I've done instead is I've, I've told exactly the same story pretty much. It's in the short film. And then I just put stuff on either side of it. Mm-hmm. So the story is a lot bigger in scope. Right. And you've seen it. So you know that that's true, um, which I think is going to make it a, a, a much a very fun experience for those like yourself who have seen the short film. Like there's yeah. there's plenty, plenty more that's new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but the challenge of that, of course, is that what works in a short film um, doesn't totally work in, in a feature film. Right. You can sit in a, in a in a diner with with two guys for 14 minutes in a short film and, and you're, you're fine with it. You sit in a diner for 14 minutes with two guys in a feature film. Well, you're going to try the audience's patience right. with that. And yeah. so there was this translation effort that had to happen. Where I was like, okay, I've got to lose some stuff here. I've got to take some ideas that are here. And I got to explore them later on in the film um, because I can't spend this much time there. Right. And then also just thinking about the audience. When I made that short film, there was, there was exactly one person in the audience and that was me. Right. I made that short film purely to see if I was capable of writing and directing something, that was the mm. first narrative thing I'd ever created. Oh, wow. And I just wanted to see if I could do it. 
And I never thought that anybody would see it outside of the cast and crew. Mm -hmm. I certainly never thought that millions of people would see it and then invest um, in a feature film version based on it. So it was never designed for all of that. And so in that way, I think it probably is pretty pure, a pretty pure expression. And that probably is uh, why some people were drawn to, a lot of people were drawn to it. Um, But, you know, taking it into a feature film, you know, you're thinking about the name Satan. You're thinking about that as the name of a character, mm. putting that in front of an actor that you're trying to recruit to play that guy. Right. And and thinking, well, I may have just shot myself in the foot right there. Like who right. in the world is even going to get past page one when they find out that the character they're playing is Satan? Some right. people are going to be excited about that. Maybe not the people I want to play the character. And, and also just thinking about the greater audience that it's going out to. Um, it is a sci-fi film. And I think we get a little bit more sci-fi cachet by not calling him Satan, by just calling him the benefactor. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think it's also a nod to the fact that, yeah, you know what? We're playing around with the idea of a devil a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're basing his power in technology and not in, you know, magic or something supernatural or anything like that. Right. And so the benefactor is a way, calling him the benefactor is a way for me to say to audiences, hey, this is not what you're familiar with. This is not a new theology that I'm proposing. This is a story. And in this story, this guy is called this name and he uses a thing on his wrist and it's, and it's different. And so these, I think these are the signals that you have to build into something like this. When we're crossing sci-fi and faith, we have to be very careful that we're not presenting something that, that is, that we're trying to pass off as, oh, this is how it really is, mm-hmm. you know? And so there are all these signifiers in the film, like the name of the benefactor that says to the audience, hey, this isn't, this isn't a new religion. This isn't a right. new theology. We're just using the genre to get at some truth. That's yeah. it. That's so good. And I think that does help change some of those things up, laying those things out. Like this is a fictional story. We're allegorizing what's taking mm-hmm. place. I think that helps a lot of things. I know that one of the issues that, uh, Productions like The Chosen I've run into is like, this is the story of Jesus is a real thing. This took place, but they've added things in there to flesh out the story. Mm-hmm. And I think some people, when they go, well, this is Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't say that. That's in the Bible. They have right. a hard time translating that. With with fiction, though, you are given a grander scope of playing. We can play with some stuff. It's just people have to go, all right, this is a faith-based film. This is a fictional story. There has to be a little play that you got to have there. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and my experience has been that most people, they're they're cool with that. Like they can roll with it. There are some people they're not going to. Yeah. And that's okay. This movie isn't for them. Yeah. And uh, but but for those that, that are willing to take the journey, I think there's a lot there. Well, you bring up an extra question then. Who is the shift for? You know, sometimes uh, mm-hmm. Christian films, they're they're very targeted. They're very much like, you know. This is the audience. This is for a a Christian family. This is for uh, there's some film. I'm trying not to name names, but like there's some films like it was marked for like you know husband and wives who are dealing with some stuff. And there's some like there was one that came out years and years ago. It was used at every church camp to scare kids into heaven. Um, it was uh, Thief in the Night and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and those were more evangelistic. Who is the shift for? What is the the purpose of the shift? So the shift. You know, the funny thing about sci-fi is, is that it's, it's kind of the domain of the geeks, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's our domain. It's, it's where we thrive. It's what we love. Uh, I mean, look at, look at behind you, you know, right. <laughs> um, you know, but the, of the top 10 films of all time, seven of them are sci-fi mm. top 10 film grossing films of all time. Seven of them are sci-fi. So, so those films are not the top seven of in, in the top 10 because guys like you and me are going and that's it. Right. 
those films are that popular because everybody's going to see them. Mm-hmm. And so I see the shift very much that way. And my experience so far with the test screenings we've done and, and just and, 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 and who is attracted to this film, this film is attracting people who are openly saying, I am not a sci-fi fan. Mm-hmm. I am very excited about this movie. Yeah. There is something in it, um, in the way that it's presented, because it's it's not presented as this crazy out there Star Wars-y thing. Although Star Wars is very popular, so I should, maybe that's a bad example. But uh, it's 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 grounded in reality. Right. It's yes, it's fantastical, but it's grounded, and it's grounded mm-hmm. most especially in an emotional reality. At least that's mm-hmm. that was the intent. Yeah. And so I think I think when you're looking at this film, honestly, I think that it is a very appropriate film for families. Yeah, um, it's PG thirteen. It's got some violence. And it's and it's got uh, it's got some thematic stuff that you know young kids probably aren't going to want to deal with, but it sure. doesn't have any sex and it doesn't have any graphic violence and it doesn't right. have any language, um, and and its themes and what it's getting at the experience is universal. Yeah, Job is such a great story in the Bible, often overlooked, but it's great because I do believe it is a universal. Yes, mm-hmm. nobody's really ever passed through anything like what Job passed through, but yeah. as believers, we always. We also pass through trial just because we believe doesn't mean everything's great. And that's Mm -hmm. what Job to me is trying to say is saying that, look, just because you believe, just because you've achieved this faith doesn't mean that God is done with you. Doesn't mean that the devil's done with you. There is still more to learn and there's still more growing to do. And there's still more understanding to have. There's still more empathy to achieve. Trial brings empathy. And so that's what the film being about that. Mm-hmm. And 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 really keying into the idea of also a romance is a pretty big component of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, him, him getting back to his wife that's that's not a small thing. And right. and so we're finding that that women are excited about this film, men are excited about this film, young men are excited about this film. Everybody is able to come to it, and they're seeing something that they are really intrigued by. Um, and and the testing we've done proves that out. Awesome! Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, I would love to, to learn more about you, man. Um, what do you geek out about? What is your big geek? I, I can assume maybe sci-fi, but maybe there's more to it. Yeah, I mean, look, comics, comics, comics. Like, uh, I've been about comics since I was a kid. I've made some of my own. Right. Um, if, I, if I'm if i reading anything, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll read all I read all kinds of things, but I've always got a, a graphic novel or two that I, that's on my desk that I'm, that I'm pouring through. Right now, I'm pouring through the Tom Strong Compendium, um, which is a which is a book that Alan Moore did with Chris Sprouse and a bunch of other artists. And, right. uh, I, I've never had the entire series, so I got the compendium, which has the entire series. <laughs> so I'm just ripping through that. Um, that. That's a big one. Yeah, sci-fi is big. I love I love the thinking man sci-fi. You know, right. I I love to go to the movies and turn off my brain, but I I probably love to turn my brain on more. Right. And uh, and I think if people are going into the shift, I think they should expect a little bit of that. Yeah, right. it's going to play with your heart a little bit. But uh, if you're not coming out of the movie thinking and thinking for a long time, um, then I haven't done my job very well. I got and uh, and I, I think people are having that experience. That's awesome. Well, speaking of comics from earlier, what is Super Fogies? <laughs> <laughs> Super Fogies is the most ridiculous title for a comic that I have been doing for a very long time. Um, right. Kind of as a, as a as a side project in my spare time. Um, it, initially, it was something that I wrote and drew and created by myself. It's about 
a group of retired superheroes and supervillains who live in Valhalla, home for wow. the super tired. Um, and it starts it starts off as a, as as a total like just joke. Uh, it was really just my attempt at making making a funny comic strip. And very quickly, it develops into kind of this epic tale of, uh, of, of, gosh, just like every single trope and convention that I love in superhero <laughs> comics all piled on top of each other and done through this really unique perspective. Because right. um, we don't usually get older superheroes in our, in our comics. Right. And, uh, and I thought it was so interesting to explore, you know, people who have this shared history who are kind of stuck together. Right. And uh, and what would that be like, and and how would they see their lives? And so it's 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 ridiculous, um, but anybody who has dug into it, I think they find that there's there's a lot of depth there. It's it's one of my most favorite things I've created, and I think we only have two chapters left oh, wow. uh, right now. Now I I don't draw it anymore. An artist mm -hmm. by the name, a very very talented artist by the name of Mark Lapierre, is the artist on it now. And we are on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, um, mm. but we are behind the scenes cranking out our penultimate chapter, and uh, the story will conclude here uh, fairly soon. Very cool, man. Uh, how did you come to faith? That's that's an interesting question for people to know. Yeah, so I was raised uh, to believe my my parents okay. uh, were were both uh, you know uh, Christians uh, from the get go, uh, at least from the get go in terms of when I came along, um, and but that doesn't really tell the whole story because mm -hmm. if we're honest about our approach to faith, we come to a point in which we want to know for ourselves where we're not relying upon the testimony of others or the witness of others, where we have to decide for ourselves, what do I really believe? Do I actually believe that there's a God out there? Yeah. And I came to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm not really so sure. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe not. Mm. Um, but I wanted to believe. Yeah. And so I had a period of time in my life. It was during high school when I really was a, was was seeking for a confirming uh, a confirming witness. Yeah. Um and I and I achieved that. I was able to I had a profound experience that I won't get into too much here. But I had a profound experience that told me that God is a reality, my savior is a reality, mm -hmm. and he loves me and he's done something extraordinary for me so, and he's got my back. Yeah. And uh and that's that's been a defining moment for me for my life. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, faith is a big portion of your life, but I know that uh, in the past you've worked in secular projects. You worked on a film uh, called The Gallows, Act Two, specifically. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. it like going from working in a secular world to working in a faith-based Christian world? Yeah, so it's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty big swing. Um, I did come into the film industry on uh, in horror films. Um, and that's, that's one of my credits. And to be honest, I'm not a giant horror film fan. It was, it was kind of my, my way in. And, okay. and I think it was after working on, uh, the gallows, uh, act two, um, that I realized, um, that I had other things that I, other stories that I wanted to tell. And mm -hmm. so that kind of, that kind of in a way prompted a shift into the shift, right. um, to where I was like, okay, I, I've, I've learned the craft uh, enough to where I feel like I can now go out and, and strike out on my own a little bit more and, and really focus on the stories that I want to tell. And I think that's actually a really helpful experience to have, to know what stories you don't want to tell. Yeah. Um, because that gives me the strength to say no yeah, and to just 
dedicate my energies and my time to the things that are important to me, which is nothing against the work I did on the gallows or, or that movie or anything. I, sure. I think it, I think even horror movies, although I don't personally enjoy them that much, right. have merit to them. And, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage any of that, right. but, uh, but as far as what I want to do personally, yes, I, I have made this swing into faith, but I still am sticking with genre. I still think it's important to do genre because it's not done enough. It's not done at all. Yeah. Um, I think we've been getting a lot of true stories and a lot of um, kind of, I don't know. I look at the faith lands, faith film landscape and I see a lot of the kind of the same kind of thing. And, right. and that's fine. Like I, there are people who love them and, and, and some of them are very, very well made. And so that's sure. not to take anything away from them. I'm just arguing for a more of a breadth of content. Yeah. Let's let's have more stories. Let's have other types of stories, and that's what I'm trying to bring to the table. I know you have another short called uh, the 200 205th, which kind of yes. has like a suspense, almost a horror type of feel to it. Uh, uh, some from the trailer stuff I saw of it. Is yeah. that a, a future project that you may be coming to a feature film down the road also one day, or or is that just yeah. kind of another kind of like you're experimenting with genres? I mean, it, definitely that was an experiment. That one was probably a little bit more intentional in terms of the way it was set up. I was did that short film with the express purpose of turning it into a feature film. Right. Whereas the shift uh, that, that was not that that way when it started. Um, so this two hundred fifth is definitely something I hope to get back to someday. Mm -hmm. I have um, some pretty solid ideas about how to turn that into a feature film. But let's see how the shift goes. Maybe I'll get that chance. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, well, let's uh, let's hit the speed round. And uh, on, on getting to know you, uh, some very simple, basic questions. Maybe you might want to give some explanation on some things, but as we roll, uh, real simple, start off, tacos or pizza? Tacos. My man, that is the correct answer. Favorite sci-fi <laughs> film? Gattaca. Oh, yes. 100%. I love that one so much. Uh, coffee or tea? Uh, tea. Herbal. Okay. All right. All right. We rock with that. Favorite comic book character? This is, I got to go with the classic Superman. Nice. Superman. There's nothing that beats a great Superman story. All right. Now, on a follow-up of that, favorite Superman story arc? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if it's Red Sun or All-Star Superman. I think All-Star Superman is probably like the perfect embodiment of who Superman is. Yeah. If you want to know who Superman really is at his core, All-Star Superman is the first and the last word on that. Right. But Red Sun is so inventive and such an inversion on that same, like it also gets to the core of Superman. For those yeah. of you that aren't familiar, Red Sun is about what if Superman's um, rocket landed in Russia right. instead or rather the Soviet <laughs> Union instead of Kansas. Right. Very different story but still is very much about the core of who Superman is. So those are the two top for me. What I love about that one is the ending on how it all kind of yes. looks back to the beginning. Such uh, a great ending. In the same vein, I'm going to learn it out with you a little bit here. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Elseworlds. I think it's the greatest thing DC Comics has ever done. One of my favorite stories there was Superman was Speeding Bullets, where it asked what would happen if he landed oh, yeah. in Gotham. And I thought that was such a great conversation about the nature versus nurture aspect of, of mm -hmm. who we are as individuals. And so I thought that was a, a great one, too. All right. Uh, continue down the road. Uh, favorite video game? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, recency bias tells me Superman two, or Spider-Man 2, which I just beat last night. Nice. Um, but that that's not the best video game of all time. Probably my favorite video game of all time. Um, oh, man. 
Okay, so two very. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna go with two. I already named one, but I'm tossing that one out. <laughs> I'm going with Breath of the Wild, which oh. I believe is the greatest video game of all time. Wow. And uh, I still have a very very soft spot in my heart for the Dreamcast game Rush 2049. Wow. Because the multiplayer car combat was one of the best multiplayer experiences I have ever had where you're just in an arena, you got weapons, you've got cars and you're just beating each other up. It outdoes Mario Kart battle on every level. And I'm so sad that that move, that game disappeared 20 years ago, but I still have very fond memories. I love it. I got you. There's a lot of great things came out of the Dreamcast era that just. Dreamcast sadly, was fantastic. It was. Everybody it was slept on it. It was way ahead of its time, but pound for pound, more good games were dedicated to that system than any other video game system of all time. I am 100% convinced of this. I concur, my friend. Can a lightsaber cut through adamantium? Uh, a lightsaber cannot cut through adamantium because nothing can cut through adamantium. That's fair. That's fair. All right. And the final most controversial one, uh, Star Wars or Star Trek and why? Dude. That's a Sophie's <laughs> choice right there. It depends on the day. It depends on the day. Um, I'm going to go with Star Trek because right now Star Trek is running and operating on all cylinders. Right. And Star Wars is is, is in a dip period. A so I'm going to go with what's happening right now and, and say Star Trek because Strange New Worlds is maybe the best star trek and it's, it, it needs some time to fully grow and let's get some more seasons out <laughs> but strange new worlds is definitely my favorite series since next generation i i just absolutely love it that's and that, that third season of picard oh my gosh <laughs> that's the movie we wanted that's the movie we wanted to end it that there was, you go to, to end next generation i totally get that well brock it's been a fantastic time talking with you man how can people get a hold of you and how can they support the, the shift or anything like that yeah, so The Shift is coming out December 1st. You can get your tickets right now. You go to angel.com slash The Shift. You'll Right there, it'll, immediately it will pop up where The Shift is showing near you. And if you don't see your theater listed, you'll see a button say call to request or tap to call. And you hit that button and you'll get in touch with your theater and let them know, hey, I want The Shift and I want it in your theater so I can watch it with you. And, and, and it's great to do that because the exhibitors, they decide what comes in. And so if they know there's a demand, then they're going to bug Angel Studios for it. And Angel Studios will be happy to send it to them. Word. You can find me on Instagram um, at Director Brock and on Facebook at Writer Brock. Um, and yeah, those are, the, those are the two. I'm on Twitter as well, but I'm not there as often. At Brock Heasley. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, there'll be links for all those things in the description down below. I want to encourage you guys, make sure you guys go check out, uh, follow Brock, follow Angel Studios, but make sure you check out this film, uh, The Shift, because it really is. It's, it's a fun film. It's a great story, and I really did enjoy uh, watching it. And we will have an article about it uh, on our website here in a couple of weeks also. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, stay devoted, peace and love.